on the fly podcast i'm your host kyle and i introduce my co-host the owen hart to my coco beware you might think it's a burial on me but coco's a is a Hall of Famer. Owen isn't. What a jobber. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That is not why not why I expected. But fair play to you, sir. Fair <laughs> fair play, Coco. Fair play. <laughs> High that team called High Energy. Pretty sure they won the tag team champions chips. Really? Not sure. Bloody Pretty hell. sure. I feel like they did. But then again it's fun, tag fun team fact, wrestling. I've never really seen any Owen Hart stuff. I've never really gone back and kind of checked his stuff out. So. As terrible as it is that he's, I know him as the wrestler that died at the arena more than anything. Mm. People say he's great. Um, I think yeah, Kevin, yeah. It's yeah. Kevin Owens' his favorite wrestler. That's why his son's called Owen. That's also yeah, and that's why he's Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owens. Yeah, yeah. But everyone says he was a not a prick. <laughs> he was just always trying to play jokes and stuff, and it was a lot, a lot of great. Um, Owen Le- less of a prick than his older brother. <laughs> Oh, you mean the miserable guy? Oh, two of four out of ten. Oh, Triple H is a B plus player. All he ever, um, all he is, is the build up, and then uh, the match is uh, boring. Oh, four out of ten. Well, you know, shut up, Brett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough burials of Brett. He's never going to listen to this podcast anyway, so it's fine. Um, oh, we should have called this the four out of ten podcast. That would have been oh, great. Yeah, definitely. Oh, too late now. Um, anyway, so it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step two. Step two. That's copyright infringement. So it's been a bit of news since we've been gone. And it's mostly wrestling. That's what I talk about. It's mostly re- kind of like WrestleMania related. Seeing as this episode itself is Jack's favourite WrestleMania of all time and off the top of his head. We'll decide at the end whether that's still the case. WrestleMania 19. That is but, the big question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Do so I still love it after in... rewatching it? <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania night. We go. We'll talk about it later on with the act of WrestleMania nineteen being Stone Cold's last match. But coming up to WrestleMania thirty five, Kurt Angle has announced that he's wrestling his last match. This is the Kurt Angle farewell tour, and he's going to be facing Baron Corbin. Da, 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 da. Wait, 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 what? Baron Corbin? Well, I thought everyone was saying it was John Cena. Obviously, it's going to be John Cena, right? <laughs> so, <sighs> if you want to say, for story purposes, like, Kurt is, was the GM, Baron Corbin's why he doesn't have the job anymore and all that, it makes sense. However, Ish. however, could have done this, could have ended this, had this blow-off match Six months ago. If you're going to tell me that Ric Flair goes out against um, Shawn Michaels. Michaels, The Undertaker, in theory, at the time, <laughs> at the time, went out against Roman. <laughs> right? Yep. Roman yep. is a good wrestler, no matter what anybody says. Yep. But Baron Corbin is the dirt. I, I don't think... Really, I've been very defensive over this. When people say, "Oh, these are terrible wrestlers," I don't think there are ter- as many terrible wrestlers as people say there are in the WWE. But Baron Corbin has a good entrance. He has a decent enough look. Deep six, end of days, cool moves. 
But I don't know. He had any... a good, he had a good look, or or has he gotten better since he shaved his hair? Do you think? Uh, I mean, the, the fact how bald he was clearly going, it was just <laughs> sad. It's like what, can you remember his... the the UK crowd chant to him? Was it Big Baldy Corbin or something like that? Probably Big something like that. Big bald bastard or something like that. But <laughs> that sounds yeah, that sounds about accurate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they were like, oh, they're saying Baron or whatever on, on WWE TV because, of course, they did. Like, I have a feeling it was the classic Seven Nation. I'm like, oh, big baldy bastard or something like that. And he that was when he still had hair, quote unquote hair. So yeah, and yeah, like you said, he's got a cool move set. In theory, I like the whole like lone wolf heavy metal thing but fuck me is he boring in basically everything he does and he granted he's a he, he's a heat magnet he's a heel through and through and people hate him for it and stuff like that but really really Kurt Angle's last match is going to be Baron Corbin I have a feeling this is a work and I think they're going to swerve it and do something different and maybe Cena will come out or something like that but if it really is Baron Corbin, I'm going to be skipping that fucking match. What can I be doing? But if right, say, say it's a swerve, and there are now reports saying it was a swerve, it's now going to be changed because they were expecting such a negative reaction and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, have you ever watched Baron Corbin matches, Vince? Well, well, the the thing that made me think that, and they they mentioned it um, on, I think it was Cultaholic. They mentioned it on their Twitter. There was like. Kurt and Kurt's wife both said, "Like, yeah, we're really disappointed. This is on. This is Kurt's final opponent, or whatever. Like, if he's disappointed, like in in character, that makes it seem even more like, yeah. In the next couple of weeks, he'll face Baron Corbin, get out of that out of the way, and then." See, I don't know. How it was announced? Did Kurt say it was Baron Corbin? Or yeah. He... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was oh, on. God. My opponent at WrestleMania 35 will be my final ever opponent in my final match. The man who took the Raw General Manager job away from me, and everybody goes, "Boo, Baron Corbin." and yeah it's hard to tell if they're booing him because he's oh it's Baron Corbin he's a heel or because it's going to be a terrible match have a feeling it was the second one because Jesus you're going out it's like I said it's Kurt's last match it being Baron Corbin you're not going to get a good match out of that Kurt Angle he cannot give you a good match anymore he is a slow... He's... As we'll talk about later on with uh, WrestleMania 19, the difference... I, w- watching, I watched Kurt's kind of recent matches um, earlier today, funnily enough. So the match he had with Chad Gable, the one he had with Apollo Crews. I assume like Chad, him and Chad Gable, both Olympians, both actual proper wrestlers... Had some, had some good moments. And they have a very similar moveset and stuff like that. They, they kind of worked... Quite well with each other. If only he but, was his Kurt, if Kurt's son. God, oh, he is. He clearly is, and it, oh, that would have made a thousand times more sense. Anyway, <laughs> even if Chad had been his final opponent, and he'd been he'd been the son all along, 
and they do they undo they retcon my black son with Jason Jordan and then make Chad Gable his son and have him like pass the torch to go out on his back as it were to Chad Gable make Chad Gable the new Olympic guy and like give Gable a singles push or whatever is and get him out of this no, no, weird no, no. Tag instead team we're just with... gonna have him wear his dre- Bobby Reed's dressing gown <laughs> It's like Bobby Roode and also the other guy, except the other guy is ten times better wrestler than Bobby Roode is at the moment. Because they just he their tag team just has the glorious entrance and the robes and everything, but then they're like, oh yeah, and also Chad Gable, you know, it's fine. Anyway, so, so it, it, I... really, it really he looks like he's moving in slow motion these days. Kurt just looks like he's climbing, crawling through treacle when he's trying to do certain moves and then rewatching WrestleMania 19 you see how quickly him and Lesnar are going against each other we'll, we'll talk about it later obviously in more detail but it's it's a world apart I mean it's what 15 16 years difference and it, you can really really notice it so best case scenario Cena Cena could probably get a good match it's gotta be Cena at this stage yeah, I just don't think it makes any sense other than you saying that Cobb or you injure Corbin and get him out of that match. Otherwise, it seems kind of weird that it now doesn't happen. There was another theory that he absolutely squashes Corbin. And then he says, no, that's not enough. I need someone, blah, 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 blah. And then you get the ruthless aggression thing from Cena come out and kind of kind of redo that moment where he answers Kurt's open challenge. Yeah. Cena inducted him into the Hall of Fame, so I think that would have been a cool way to end his career, but we'll see if he's allowed to. Maybe he's got a film in the works a week later, like fucking Rock did with Hercules, and then yeah. got hurt. Because he was too damn big to be wrestling. Let's Physically. not go down that path, shall we? Yeah. Alright, so... The other thing that I just wanted to talk about before we get into the main event is, the other day, I was on Snapchat, because... I mean, you can add me at just Kyle MC, and it's used to plug me, myself, Ladies. and my socials, yeah. Because um, I hate the app nowadays. But I came on you the, like, the Discover part of the app, where you, you know, like, I know you've got friends out here, um, but we're just going to show you some other crap that you, you don't might probably don't want to see. But it came up, um, Pink News, which is an LGBT... Plus, is that how it goes? I can never. There's remember. a few more letters in there, but let's yeah, just say well, that. You, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, peaked my eye because it said it mentioned there about a transversal signing to a major company. I think it was All Elite Wrestling. I can't really remember, but I pressed through the link. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then they had another wrestling article. I was like, oh, okay, let's have a quick look at this. And it was, and I'll put um, screenshots up because. I feel like this really needs to be fucking seen. So, seven gay storylines in wrestling. With the ha- with the first image being Billy and Chuck. Classic, so, yeah, makes sense. So, again, Pink News is obviously to spread the get it's positive vibes about it, about being on the spectrum or whatever. So you think on the spectrum is about posi- autism, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not that spectrum, you knobhead. You know what spectrum I mean. I didn't say autistic spectrum, did I? 
Allow Being me on the course. spectrum definitely means autism, not sexuality. Oh, fuck <laughs> Being a you member know, of the LGBT community is what right, you Yeah, fine. And showing like positive aspects in wrestling and all that good yeah, stuff. absolutely. Which is like, cool. Positive representation, that's the term I was looking for. I, then I'll del- no, I don't know. Anyway. So I was like, all right, cool. Billy and Chuck. I mean, that's already off off to a very bad start because Billy and Chuck weren't gay. It literally says during the wedding that it wasn't. It was all a publicity stunt, and they're not gay, so that doesn't count. Uh, what was number two? Number two was Mickey James and Trish Stratus. Do you remember the Mickey James and Trish Stratus storyline, Jack? I do, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, where she's a crazy stalker and like she being mickey james um i don't remember much of it just like the vagities like i i doesn't she like basically try and sexually assault trish stratus a bunch of times yeah and does it at wrestlemania as well with the um the v which they you cut they've cut out the network version oh good i mean you, you remember that spot at the end, she grabs her by the crotch and does the... Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, Going off the noise, you can probably figure out what I did then. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we all know what bleh means, <laughs> don't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so... She basically spends that sexual assault on her. Um, number three was... What was number three? Or have I not got three? I appear to have not screenshot three. That's fucking genius, wasn't it? Um, no, three, sorry, it was Heidi Lovelace, Hovelace, and Taylor Hendricks. Um, I think Heidi Lovelace is Ruby Riot nowadays. I think that's the same person. I won't speak for this one, because I don't really, I never watched OVW, the storyline where this takes place. All I know, going off their little breakdown, was that Heidi was in love with Taylor and was trying to get her to break up with her boyfriend to be with her. So, you know, positive, stealing other people's partners. Number four, The Golden Lovers. I'll accept that. I guess. Because they're very... With The Golden Lovers, it's whatever. Kenny Omega, and I've said this before, you can take that however you want with The Golden Lovers. They're not, say, they're not saying they're gay. But even, if, but even if they aren't, it's never anything bad. Going off to what I've read about the storylines before these are baby faces so it's fine number five the iconics not gay next hla do you remember hla jack i do not know so back in there i think it was about 2002 2003 eric bischoff decided that he was going to introduce an initiative it was called hla just wait to find out what it stands for hot folks. lesbian action so basically, he introduced some attractive women to start simulating simulating that they were a couple, or simulating sex and all that stuff, for the titillation of dudes. Straight dudes. Let's, let's of... not forget that this is the, the demographic of the W. So yeah. that's the fuck what they were doing. This Dude. is the same kind of like... LGBT representation as bra and panties matches. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that's not real. in this fucking list. Yeah. Um... What else? A couple more. Uh, Stacey Keebler and Tori Wilson. Give me a fucking break. 
they took part in the polls down with Billy and Chuck and they were doing suggestive poses. All right, cool. Lit. Don't think that counts as any, for anything. But my whole thing, and I put it in a separate Facebook group, which I did tell you about, was that people were trying to argue with me over whether this was positive representation of the LGBTQ community. Mm. I sit here as a black male. So I can speak on this a bit better than Jack because no one no one cares about straight white dudes. I'm, I'm a straight white on. dude and it's, yeah, pretty much. But like... Nobody cares about my opinion. The first openly gay wrestler in the WWE, I think, was Darren Young. Yes. His gimmick was, ne- his gimmick was never that he was gay. But do you think that's right or wrong? That's up to you. But I will say that ever since he was introduced as a onto the roster, and so ever since he came out, the fact he was gay was never played up to be a reason to be a heel. Um, later on, Sonya Deville is the, I think, is the only openly gay active member of the roster at least now. I believe so. Yes. Across the entire company, so there might be somebody else, but I can't unfortunately think of that person at the top of my head. I wonder if there are some some ladies in the performance center or in. Who works in NXT, I mean, NXT UK? I'm sure Finn, well. Finn Balor's Finn Balor's probably turned a bunch of dudes gay in that company anyway. I mean, come on. When he leans against those ropes. Woof. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, my point is, is that Sanya Deville is a heel who happens to be gay. Like, again, the fact she's gay has never come up. It's just not a secret that she's gay. If and she suddenly starts, reasons- like, lusting over Mandy or something. That's when it gets weird. But as you said, it's not. If it hadn't have been mentioned in a like interview thing, I saw, I wouldn't have known. And I think this needs to be stressed as well. It doesn't have to be as in a storyline. It can be, but I don't think it doesn't to go. Oh yeah, for it then to be got for it to be justified as anything. I don't think that they has to have a character where they are all. It's hard to explain, but I, my point regarding this article is that this is terrible examples of it. But people, and it's, it has to be made by somebody who doesn't actually watch wrestling to think, oh yeah, oh, there's this, there's some um, sort of gay representation, be it negative or positive, in this company. And WWE is fucking terrible for this shit. When I remember a few years ago when Stephanie was like, oh, we're going to introduce some more trans stories and stuff like that, I, was like, I swear to fucking Christ. <laughs> no, because I have absolutely no faith in that company that it will be in any way because politically correct is the terrible term to use because it's a scapegoat, but in any way not offensive. I have no faith in the company. I have, they, they've managed to keep fucking it up all these years and they're not just going to go, oh yeah, this is mysterious to go, oh yeah, they can do it right now. So, no. But that's enough of my rant for now what did you think of those lists of king angles jack i mean they're all bullshit aren't they really they like you said they could have at least talked about people who are openly gay in wrestling in, in wrestling in like, general. I, can, like, I don't chris, know chris canyon's a perfect example of like he was i think he was the first guy to come out pretty much in 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 the entire industry as openly gay and that was kind of a, a big moment, and I think a lot of people were kind of inspired by him and, and had a very positive reaction. I'm sure plenty of people had a negative reaction, but 
let's not go there. And then, as you said, you've got Darren Young, you've got Sonia Deville. I'm sure there are plenty of other men and women out there and even non-binary gendered people, transgendered people, lots of, you know, different, like you said, different aspects of that community represented in wrestling. But wrestling is... Is pretty far behind a lot of industry, other it's industries and a lot that. of other... To be honest, I don't think it's just that. I think wrestling in the WWE... Because, again, there are... A lot, there are um, th- off the top of my head, did Jack Sexsmith uh, is pansexual. Again, whether, you, whether the person wants to make it part of their gimmick is up to them. Not asked. If they choose not to, if they want to. Whatever. Cool. Um... There's a Laura Di Matteo. She's usually in progress a lot of the time. She is a lesbian. So you could do it, but if you just think if you only perceive WWE as wrestling, then yeah. And they threw in that little red herring with the OVW one, but still, it's a bullshit list as far as I'm concerned. Yep, totally agreed. All right, so enough of that garbage. We'll see how much that stays in because we took spent a lot of time on that. Um... <laughs> It's now time for the granddaddy though for them all. Jack's favorite WrestleMania. My God, my God, WrestleMania. WrestleMania 19. I mean, from Safeco Fields in 2003. This is just over a year before I actually started watching wrestling. For those that didn't know, because I think I mentioned it on the episode I did with Earl, I started watching around about Survivor Series 2004. Interesting. Okay. So this is probably like the second WrestleMania that I watched because I probably fell into the hype around 21 so i watched 21 was the first time i watched in like in main continuity <laughs> that i to go back uh, and then i went to 19 and 20 and i think they've pretty much been my arguably my two favorite wrestlemanias of all time ever since and we'll get we'll get to it by the end whether we think that this is still the show holds up but what were you as a wrestling fan back in 2003? Were you still in it? Were you waning or what? I was totally in it. I was still very, very much in it. This is peak. Maybe maybe not quite a peak, but this is certainly around that sort of time wrestling fanage for me. I'm, what, I'm 12 when this WrestleMania happens, so that is perfect age to be watching wrestling and getting into it and all that kind of stuff. I remember... I remember the invasion happening, and I remember that whole thing. So this is like the uh, late nineties, early two thousands was very much my era, and yeah, this is March of two thousand and three. So this is slap bang in the middle of my childhood pre pre teen slash teen fandom, rather than my adult fandom that we're in now, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I think because I got because. We both basically experienced this show two different ways, really. I watched the good version, and you watched the shitty version of WrestleMania 19. So I have DVDs. Granted, it's not a no big WrestleMania collection, but it's the original DVD versions of of the show, where you have the proper music. I tried to watch the opening package for this, and it was like, there's something wrong. I'm not getting hyped. I need. To... Oh, why am I watching? Now we can just look over to my shelf and go, 
I could watch it on DVD. And because I'm even smarter than most people, I put one disc in my PS3, PS4, put the other disc in my Xbox One. That way, I don't have to get up. Genius. That's why I got them GCSEs, kid. You're a modern man. I'm impressed. (laughs) But yeah, the package itself is great. And I think this is one of the things that gets you, most important, that can get you gassed for a WrestleMania. It's going to take a lot of effort for that for 35 this year, but far and far away. So the the opening match that we had, Matt Hardy version 1 versus Rey Mysterio for the Cruiserweight Championship. Oh yeah, V one Matt Hardy is so weird. Yeah, I I like the whole attitude facts thing that they kind of tried to bring back oh, for man. SmackDown Live when it in twenty sixteen. So, so good, so weird. So I've forgotten how weird V one Matt is. I can slap a tornado, for God's sake. It's the opening line of that bloody song. And the weird Matt fact of, like, he enjoys going to WrestleMania. And some of them are, like, genuinely interesting. Like, his favourite sandwich filling is this thing or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's, that's quite quirky and that's quite funny. And some of it's just weird, arbitrary Matt, bollocks. Matt only drinks low-fat chocolate milk. Yeah. Great, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing I need. But a lot of the other ones are just like, Matt has a brother called Jeff. I'm like, sure. Okay. Matt al- I'm just looking up some of them. He's like, Matt always got more candy than his brother. <laughs> Matt's bedtime is 4am. See, these are good. So far, yeah. these are good. Matt has seen all the Friday the 13th movies. Oof. Matt, Matt likes English muffins. Yeah. Matt hates cold weather. Matt scored one one thousand three hundred thirty on his SATs. Matt loves guacamole. These are these are all <laughs> in, important important. Matt thinks sweet potatoes are delicious. M- my favorite last one. Matt is his father's favorite child. I mean, and it might as well be because so the ones for this show Matt. are. Matt is appearing in his fourth WrestleMania, and Matt often wonders how they did WrestleMania without him. Yeah, that's the, that's a great one. That is the, that is the goal. That. <laughs> that's a, that's great. That's great. So, what were you? What so? Can you remember what, what you thought of the Rey Mysterio back then? Because I kind of soured over on Rey Mysterio over the years. Like, I think it was like 2006. When after he won the world championship, it's when I turned on him, and I was so happy when he dropped the belt to King Booker. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was never a huge Rey Mysterio guy. I'm still not, to be honest. I, I like what he can do in the ring. He's just never really clicked with me in a way. I've never wanted to like, oh yeah, I want to go out and buy the mask or whatever. I was never one of those kids, and I'm not. You mean one of those you didn't want him to come over? No. You mean you didn't want him to come over and then stop weirdly pushing your head, his head towards you as a child? I mean, I'm like a foot taller than him, so <laughs> it'd be weird if he did. <laughs> um, He's just like that, jumping up and down, R-E-Y, Mysterio, here we go. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I was impressed with his skills and stuff, but I've never kind of... I've never been blown away. People always say he's like the one. Of, he's the greatest high flyer of all time, and all that kind of stuff. 
and I know we're really spoiled these days with people like Will Ospreay and Ricochet and loads of other people who are doing absolutely batshit stuff. But, like, he does a bunch of, like, Parakan Ranas and splashes and stuff. Like, cool. He doesn't do, he doesn't do, like, shooting stars or Phoenix splashes or spiral taps or anything mental. He does fucking tiger faint kick and then drops the dime, which he just falls on them off the top rope. He'd never, like, blow me away with his high-flying kind of style, but I do appreciate how kind of smooth he is in the ring. His transitions between moves are fantastic, and he I think this is a subject we're going to talk about quite a lot, is he can really still go now in 2019, as evidenced by his recent matches on SmackDown. It's pretty amazing how entertaining and how smooth he still is 16 years later almost to the day 16 years later than he was in 2003 because so many of these other people on this card have not aged well and we touched upon it with Kurt Angle but this is going to be a subject going forward for sure I think it helps for Ray in that he had a lighter schedule and he was gone for a while like a few years Mm. so he had gave his body a chance to recover enough to deal with the oh great I'm on the road five four days out of the week. So obviously his schedule's lighter now. He's not he's doing some house shows I believe. He's not doing them all. He's got the right amount of dates for him to where he still feels special enough when you actually do see him and you know you still have faith that he can still go at the at a good standard. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the the right move and it's a thing that AJ Styles seems to be doing with his career at the moment as well. He's just signed a new contract and seems to be taking a bit a bit of a less active approach, kind of fewer dates and, and kind of spending more time with his family and stuff. I think that's a, it's an appropriate thing to do in the twilight years of your career. AJ Styles is still one of the best wrestlers in the world and at this point you could probably argue that Rey Mysterio is certainly up there as well. But if they keep going and if they do, you know, 10 house shows, 15 house shows in a row, plus all the TV shows and stuff, you can quickly see them deteriorate and you can quickly imagine them wearing themselves down and just burning out on the industry mentally and physically. So I think it's, it's the right thing for people in that stage of their career to do. Back to WrestleMania. It's a fine match. Like, <laughs> it, it didn't blow me away. Didn't, kind of it's it's a weird one to start with like a never thought of Matt Hardy as a cruiserweight for a first I was like oh yeah Matt Hardy says he was a cruiserweight I guess that's a thing because I think the, the weight limits for cruiserweights is different it's like it's, 220 it's 220 yeah yeah now it's obviously 205 live yeah he I think he's now billed at like 230 30 or 225 or something like that. So Matt Hardy, I mean. Rey Mysterio is always booked at like 15 pounds or something or whatever it is. 165, 185, something like that is what Rey usually is billed as. And I do, I, I mean, we always say they're billed this way. I'm sure almost everybody weighs way more than they say they do. Or, or way less than they do. I wonder, I wonder how often these weights are accurate. Well, but, yeah. I don't think 
yeah, I think it was a good match. I don't think we'll spend too much time talking about it. But this is peak why trying to watch old shows is kind of hard for me because then I have to listen to Taz. And Taz oh, we'll get to Taz later on. We will me. get to Taz Everything. later on. Good right, lord. The best line that he says, though, wine me, dine me, 619 me. <laughs> crying out loud. Wine me, dine me, 619 me. Like, oh, it's Taz. Yeah. Um, next match is, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, you know, nowadays we look at the streak in a way. It's one of the great things, especially leading into WrestleMania 30, it's one of the greatest things in wrestling, The Undertaker's being undefeated at WrestleMania. Yeah. And redefined long-term storytelling in wrestling and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There's a bunch of shit in that streak, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and this is one of the main this ones. And it's, I think it's the one that the WWE kind of ign- try and make you forget. Like, it's been... Kind of Cutaholic had a video out, and I'll probably link it down, depending on how I feel about Cutaholic today. Um, oh, the, the greatest Undertaker WrestleMania yeah, matches ever was, yeah. West... West... Best and worst, worst to best, whatever. And you can get away with mentioning people like um, Jimmy Snooker, Jake Roberts, Giant Gonzalez. Was the other guy? No, no, you've ruined that by mentioning him, (laughs) Big Boss Man, (laughs) and things like that. You can get away because of the names that they had to the business, (laughs) right? That's why they mention them. About how he made him rest in peace at WrestleMania. Jimmy Snooker's, even though you know his record in life, I mean, Jimmy, the wrestling yeah, is kind of sketchy. Jimmy Jimmy Snooker doesn't want to be associated with rest in peace very often, but <laughs> usually he's on the other end of that. <laughs> and then you have this match. It's like the Undertaker fought Big Show and the A Train. Fucking A Train. And let's not forget this was originally a tag match with the big man. The, the whatever the bongo from Bongo Valley or the Aussie from Bongo the kangaroo I don't know <laughs> the Australian dude Nathan Jones who Nathan was Jones, so bad mate. who was so bad oh, that God, they didn't bad. have faith in him being able to carry the match uh-huh. so he did he got kicked out knocked out by the FBI the full blooded Italians before the match and then does two moves. There's a kick that he almost fucks up. What else yep. does he do? Nathan Jones went on to be in like films and stuff, and I find that so weird. He's got the look, and that's it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that people always say about the Undertaker's ego is why he had a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, that doesn't surprise Again, me. Again, it's bad enough that A-Train... The A-Train, sorry. Big Evil Undertaker is... <laughs> Big Evil and American Badass Undertaker are Undertaker's ego gone to the next level. Now, Biker Taker is just Mark Calloway, right? It's just him being himself. He likes kid rock and, like, shitty American country rock music and driving motorbikes around and wearing bandanas and stuff. He's like, oh, I don't want to play a character anymore. I just want to have a break. I just want to, just want to kick some people while wearing jeans. Well, like, that's what to be Mark make, for a you, bit. You can make the argument that that gives him more wiggle room than 
the whole goofy gimmick of, oh, is he dead? Is he alive? Well, yeah, he's probably not actually dead. <laughs> probably. And it lets him be a more real human being, which you kind of get now, towards the end of this is his um, career, where he's now a mortal, basically. He's not the phenom. He's just a man at this point. He hasn't got the streak to rely on that makes him bigger than that. It's it's yeah. No, this is not a great start for, as we said earlier, my favorite WrestleMania ever. <laughs> it's really, I feel like this show is very top heavy, and we'll get into that later on, obviously. But like, there are some genuinely brilliant matches. But holy shit, is the first few really kind of pointless and boring? Good lord. So that's, I can't remember what that puts the streak at now. And it, even now, it's not even, even at this stage, it's not really the streak. You'll be at 11 he mentions it Because he mentions it in, he signals with it at 18 against Ric Flair that he's in double digits now. So I think this is 11 and 0. It's yeah, this no, is the I last one he does with Biker Taker really, and then he, he comes back. Yeah, because he comes back, he gets buried alive at Kane, Survivor yeah. Series comes back to face Kane and even then that is more he's back to face Kane more than yep. the streak didn't become a prize until 21 against Orton when he was obviously the legend killer as well so on to the next one we've got the WWE Women's Championship the champion Victoria with Stephen Richards, all the things she said, all the things she said, running through her head, running through her head, running through her head, versus Trish Thanks, Stratus, and, ja- and Jazz. I've forgotten Jazz ever existed. And Victoria, to be honest. But like, well, I believe Jazz is the NWA Women's Champion at the moment. Is she really? So she's, I believe she's still working. Bloody hell. But, Have a look on cagematch.net. You are correct, sir. She wrestled like a month ago. But don't expect her back in the WWE because I believe she put a case in against them for um, concussions. So they ain't ever bringing her back until she, until she, unless she drops it and says, I'm sorry. Yep. Until yeah, he dies. Is... So, but then again, he's going to live forever. So, Yeah. I've forgotten how much of a badass Jazz was as well. She she was a really cool kind of strong female, literally strong as in like the kind of Beth Phoenix, Nia Jax style powerhouse kind of wrestler that you didn't really see much of until obviously China showed up in the 90s as well. But oh. yeah, yeah, this match was nothing particularly interesting. It's, it's pretty standard fare. I've forgotten Stephen Richards was a thing as well. Apparently he's been doing stuff ever since. Why? You forget the guy goes, I'll show you. You'll see. In his entrance music. Yep. He's been in TNA and Ring of Honor since leaving WWE and that blew my mind. I think this is is early in the Trish Stratus. She's not become the legend Trish Stratus as of yet. She's had her moments, though, but I think 
obviously we haven't watched all the build up to the shows and I've not done a lot of looking into it because at this point come on this is triple threat there was clearly no heat from the crowd yeah and the audience anyway so I didn't feel like it was really necessary for me to go back and watch the build up towards it mm, yeah and I feel like I'm just going but thinking back there wasn't a lot of video packages really for the sh- at least in the early stages of the show so that doesn't help to hype it up too much. Then it's a completely serviceable triple threat match, but it's again one of them things where you're not really going to be looking back and going, you know, I really, I really loved that match, that women's match. It was one of my favourite ones. Yeah, this was Trish's fourth world title win, and this one only lasts a month or so. The next two are the ones where it's the biggest deal, where it's like the really long reigning ones. The, the fifth and sixth reigns of the big yeah, ones. Yeah, but... Then, then the seventh one is a day. I'd use the um, caveat for a lot of her reigns that there was times where she was got injured for a while. Yep. So, yep. but they just like, fuck it, we'll just keep the belt on her because our women's division is trash anyway, so we might as well just keep it on her. Because if we're not going to give it Lita, then what's the point? Lita and her terrible moonsault. Yeah, I said it. Did you say that on the last show, or did we say that, like, just on, on, on a conversation to each other. I can't even remember anymore. Maybe. Because I, I feel, I feel like we, we you and I have definitely had this conversation with her. If I bullshit, I'll just fall backwards and hope not to kill anyone or myself. Oh, um, yeah. And that, so, yeah, the woman that's broke her neck before. Yeah. You'd think that that would have gone, you know, I want to start learning how to do it. Take, your, take a note from Kurt Angle's book. Go for the high angle moonsault instead. Yep. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte's got a good moonsault. Yeah. So yeah, ne- next match we had for the WWE World, the WWE Tag Team Championships, Team Angle, the world's greatest tag team, Charlie House, Shelton Benjamin, defending against Rhino and Chris Benoit versus Los Guerreros. What do you think of the match, Jack? Totally serviceable tag match. Fun little match. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, I've forgotten Rhino wasn't always an absolute rectangle of a man. Like he, he's still the beast Rhino and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, he, he's not like gigantically chunky like he is <laughs> these days. Hanging out with uh, Heath Slater, but yeah, I was a it was a good little tag match. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed Team Angle. Charlie House and Shelton Benjamin. Remember how much I enjoyed their kind of dynamic with Angle being them being tag champs and Angle being champion. I I love a good like heel stable reigning with all the belts and all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, fun little match, but nothing nothing blues my mind. You know what I mean? How about you? Yeah, I think when we look back at the careers, it's funny. That Shelton Benjamin is back with the company now. So, so I think after they break up for like a good year, when he goes on to Raw, he beats Triple H, wins the IC belt, and it's very much that he is the best athlete in the WWE. He has he great becomes the gold, just, the gold standard, doesn't he? Yeah, he just he has can't a couple talk. of great um, Money in the Bank ladder matches and stuff like that but yeah, yeah and then they basically swapped him out for Kofi Kingston who gets to do all that stupid stuff where he tries to kill himself 
when you could just win the match instead. Yep. The originator. Now, I think after this one, obviously, I think, was it Team Angle retained this, didn't they? They do, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We are now into, I believe, the part that we can get a bit more excited Yay, for. the good bit. <laughs> to be fair, we say the good so bit. It's the, next, your... it's the next five matches that were all good. But, like, it's... yeah, it, it's amazing how the first four are just like, oh, it's less than ten minutes, it's fine. And the next five are all 20-minute slobber knockers, to quote good old JR. I don't... Seeing as it features one of your favourite wrestlers, you've very kept you've kept it very on the down low that you love this guy, Shawn Michaels. Completely <laughs> talking about the match. What do you think, Jack? What uh, This might be match of the night for me actually. I really, really liked Jericho versus Michaels. Um watching the little promo build up beforehand worked really well for me as well. I enjoyed their their kind of rivalry going into it and stuff and yeah yeah I thought it's a fantastic back and forth it really kind of showcases how good they both were back then and as much of a prick as Shawn Michaels is he knows how to put on fantastic matches and they're two of the all time greats for a reason and there's some brilliant kind of slick countering and kind of there's a brilliant lion salt counter and a, a great kind of yeah, just back and forth great match really. I really, really enjoyed it. It's funny that how Chris Jericho's career one of the best things that you can make the argument for Chris Jericho being the greatest of all time, which someone tells me, I was like, all right, cool. It's that this Jericho is not the same Jericho that happens a year later or the year, like a couple of years before. Mm. And it's yeah. not the same Jericho that we have now. It's not the same Jericho that we had when they feud again. Granted, it's still in the same face heel role. Jericho's still the heel, Sean's still the face. And even then, they had great matches. I remember watching this the first time back in there and not being a massive fan of it. Well, I think over the years, my appreciation for Jericho has developed. And my feelings towards Shawn Michaels have always been questionable as it is. <laughs> because I, some, there are a lot of the times where I struggled to... I'm like, could Shawn Michaels ever actually cut a promo? You know, when you hear him now, like, were you ever any good talker? And then you look at some of his... And then sometimes when you watch, like... I mean, I've not watched it, but who am I kidding? I've seen clips from Crown Jewel and be like, are you, are you a good wrestler? And I think it genuinely does for me. That sort of stuff kind of tarnish legacy sometimes. That sort of crap. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Can, can then make me go, was he ever that good? And I'm starting to question myself. Yeah, there's a few wrestlers that I do that with from time to time. And I'm like, that should, should probably shouldn't be the case. But I'm kind of going off on one about my love-hate relationship with Shawn Michaels and ignoring this match. And I think the story that they did tell all the way through of Jericho has been a cocky little prick trying to go after, trying to pull up Superman's cape really was told well. Yeah, definitely. I really love the line at the end. At the end, after they hug, 
Jericho sw- turns on him again, gets him the ball, and, and Lawler, you can't trust these ones, young lines, JR. Aha! Probably did that noise <laughs> as well. Probably. Knowing, knowing bloody Lawler. Like his, we'll get into his commentary later on, but good lord, I've forgotten how much I dislike Jerry Lawler. But yeah, do you think do you think this is the best match on the card, or do you have another pick without without right. spoiling it? Obviously, yeah. yeah, yeah. What was if prob- I'd say it's the fourth best match of the card. Really? Okay. Yeah. Fourth or fifth? I don't. Even, I don't think. Yeah, I think there were better matches later on in this. I I better. I can think of two that might be better. I'm intrigued. What your third or fourth? better one is but we'll get to that i suppose yeah because the next one speaking of Shawn michaels we've got his old dx buddy the game triple h the world heavyweight champion defending his championship against the challenger the five time five time five time champion Booker right G. if you're gonna do that Put some respect in Booker's name and do it another <laughs> two times. <laughs> right. I, I, I purposely I'm tired did it already. as I could. I already. They're trying to, he's try, fam, I'm trying to calm myself down. I'm, I'm kind of going a bit Omar. Shout out to Omar. <laughs> but because this boy, this stuff, this guy's trying to trigger me already. Channeling because you I'm already Omar ready Holman. for a rant about this match. <laughs> and, oh, dear. <sighs> um, I... I said it as flat as I could on purpose and just, uh, yeah. yeah I triggered you and it worked the, the fun fact, the T in Booker T stands for triggered, so there you go Christ <laughs> so yeah, this is this match is pretty pretty infamous and before we get to the match itself when we do a little slick segue and talk about the build up of the match and a very infamous promo that is my choice for promo of the week this week. What a, what a bastard. I know, right? And speaking of white guys pissing off black guys, which is basically <laughs> the whole dynamic of this show, fucking hell, Triple H. People like you will never be champion and dance for me like he is he's pushing that line he is uh, there's a reason the link that we'll we'll share in the show notes is the triple h does that promo and it's that in caps for a reason because jesus christ this is a this is a a racial mess basically um, I mean, I feel like I, I should let you get in on this, Carl, for obvious reasons, because I'm just, I'm just talking about how horrified I am. I can only imagine. I know you're a Booker T fan as well, so I can only imagine how pissed off you were when you when you saw this. You know what? I probably saw this in 2005. Watched this show in 2005. And coming in, I was a SmackDown kid, as I've mentioned numerous times before. Booker T was my guy. But 
by the time I'd watched this, probably sometime then, it didn't annoy me in the way that it does modern day. And you can say, oh, look at that. The millennials are getting angry about something that happened years and years ago. It's yeah. Oh, they're little snowflakes. They're so easily triggered about stuff. Nobody had a problem with it when I was a me, 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 me. And I was kind of, oh, Triple H won. But then you look back now and you're like, this is, this is something fucked up here. And I think what annoys me and has traditionally annoyed me the most is... WWE and Triple H insistent that it wasn't about race. It fucking was. <laughs> All that shit. And you know what? It's fine. If it's about race, fine, whatever. But I think that on this grandest stage of WrestleMania, and we potentially we potentially run into the risk if this match between Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan happens this year. That if Kofi doesn't win, and it's not Daniel Bryan that he's basically he's kind of feuding with, he's feuding with Vince McMahon and his implications that you just don't have it, that one thing, and that one thing being white, is that... <laughs> that one thing being less melanin, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Is, like, that the racist wins. And that's what happens. That, that, that is what happens with the Booker T... Triple H feud, the racist wins. Yep. Because it's not, it's bad enough that Triple H wins the way he wins, and we'll mention it again. Again, we said this like a thousand times in this show, we'll talk about that later. But if Triple H wins at, at WrestleMania, but Booker T wins at Backlash, you can forgive it for the sense of that's part of the story that we wanted to tell. But after WrestleMania, I think I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't have a match at Backlash. I'm pretty sure Booker T doesn't wrestle against Triple H at Backlash. But he's back to being a geek. And he's facing for the Intercontinental title later in the year. It's like everything that happened then doesn't matter. In fact. Oh my god, it gets worse. Triple H, Ric Flair, Chris Jericho versus Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Shawn Michaels and Booker T. Yep. And they lose. Again. (sighs) Yep. It's just a disrespect. And it's... I don't even necessarily, like... Beef, in a way. With Booker... I hate this angle so much. I hate it. People like you don't get to be champion. Fucking hell. And then uh, he's on the poster for the Judgment Day 2003, I think it is. It's a massive Booker T poster that's really cool. And then he loses the Battle Royal for the Intercontinental title to Christian. This is the problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, we, mentioned, I think we mentioned it before, is that in the world, WWE, especially when I started, I don't watch... I've not really ever watched WCW. 
because I don't really watch stuff from before like 2002 really I just can't be bothered and that company died in 2001 and the way it died is hilarious but I'm still not wasting my time watching it is that WWE conditioned the audience to think that WCW was always terrible and I'll admit I've kind of fallen into that brainwashing and it's kind of hard for me to come out of it because again I I don't really watch WCW stuff on the network because I don't have the network thanks Jack Um, (laughs) but this is just a beating over the head at this point that they ignore that he was ever the champion really they mention that he was the five time WCW champion but they're like yeah, he's a five-time WCW champion. Why do you think they never meant... When you call Booker a world champion, he's technically a six-time world champion. But for him being a five-time champion, is that's all that matters. But it's not really anything. You know what I mean? I think I'm, yeah. I think I'm all angered out now. Good. So, let's talk about the match itself. The actual match before we get to that finish, I think is actually pretty damn good. There are some fantastic near falls in this. There's a brilliant axe kick that Booker hits on Triple H, and it is about as close as you can get on a near fall, and it really kind of... If I didn't already know the outcome, I would be super hyped, and I, I, th- I don't particularly remember it when I was a kid, but I think I would have been at the time. I think... The Harlem Hangover leg drop is absolutely badass as well. When Booker busts that out and Triple H sells the hell out of it and Lawler, like, freaks out. He landed on his face or whatever Lawler says. Like, it's fantastic. And Booker is wrestling his absolute arse off in this match. And... Uh, so the famous finish. We're going to get to it, folks. Triple H hits a pedigree and crawls. Well, doesn't move, first of all, for like 10 seconds. Then crawls and puts one hand on top of Booker T. 22 seconds after hitting the pedigree. I know because I got a fucking stopwatch out and timed it. And... Carl and I have had this conversation before. If that's not a burial and just a big fuck you to Booker T, I don't know what is. Because good lord, that that finish. The actual match is great, but that finish just kind of tarnishes the whole thing for me a little bit. And and you know how you fix that finish? He picks him up and he hits the pedigree again. That's all you have to do. Yeah. And Which they literally do a... later on. There's multiple finisher finishes in the rest of the card. <laughs> all of right. the other all of the other matches end with the guy who wins hitting his finisher multiple times on the other guy to finally finish him off. Apart from this one. Because professional wrestling teaches you that when you hit the finisher... If you don't go for the cover immediately, or you're not slow... If you take 20 fucking seconds to go for a cover, the person should kick out. Yeah. 
no shit. That happens in any other match in any other promotion in the world. That's a that's a kick out right there. You can't because then you used to thought, oh, he took too long to get to it. My man took took his sweet ass time and still pinned Booker. Get ready for the Kyle's angry WrestleMania 35 episode, but Kofi doesn't win it. Yep. And Daniel Bryan hits the knee and takes 25 seconds to cover him. He goes for he goes running up the ramp, chanting "Yes." He <laughs> runs all the way up the ramp, just like like fucking Ultimate Warrior. Speaking of racists, running along just like hits the knee and then just collapses for like a minute and a half. Yeah, just silence in the crowd, and then he rests a finger on Kofi Kingston and beats him. Like yeah. Or like a Rowan goes and picks him up and puts him on top or something. It's like, yep, there you go. Kind of try to pretend that Rowan doesn't exist most of the time. Oh, he's got he's got a good t-shirt game there, man. Oh my god, is that you? He, he dresses like, like me. He dresses like me. All right. You give me like side eye for liking Luke Harper. You, all you can do is praise Rowan's shirts. Yeah, I give a shit about him as a wrestler. I'm saying I like his t-shirts. He's got good taste in heavy metal. I assume they're his shirts as well. Because who else, Who's going to provide him with a Powerwolf fucking thing and I'm on Amarth and Ailstorm and stuff? There's no way the WWE writing staff are like, oh yeah, um, we're going for the real kind of Ailstorm kind of vibe. Said like They're a pirate metal band, by there's the way. Mike, really there's, that's, that's Michael Hayes there. <laughs> Oh, and while you're doing that, make sure you jump off something really high and then you almost kill yourself. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit too real. It was a little bit. Yeah, overall, you you think this was a good match? Yeah, I think it's a really good match, apart from the last 22 seconds. <laughs> like yeah. I said, there's some great near falls. I do hate, speaking of clothing and stuff, I hate Triple H's purple trunks. Why? That's, but they're weird. Why? I forgot. Why is he wearing purple? He's a he's a black and green kind of guy. What's with the purple? It's weird. I swear he has a he has a white set as well. He does. He absolutely does. So <laughs> we mentioned before while we're talking about the Jericho match. That mm. What what are these other matches that Kyle enjoyed more? Oh boy, we're about to get to it. It's Hogan versus Vince McMahon. Racist versus racist. Hot dog versus weird hench older dude. Is it a bag of sausages? Like, yeah. Hot dog versus bag of Cumberlands. Like, I don't know what you'd call Vince McMahon. I Vince think... McMahon is too ripped then. I dread to think what he looks like now being 70. Oh, have you not seen him in the wrestling show? He's like, there's one a few years ago, I think, during the Roman Reigns feud, where he's like, fucking hell, Vince, you're old as shit. But he's there pet dancing. Oh, And God. bicep dancing. It's like, oh, my God. Jesus. Get a grip. I've told you, Vince McMahon and Mr. McMahon are two different people. Are they, this, though? In, in <laughs> Vince's head, <laughs> Mr. McMahon... He's a different person. Oh yeah, in his head Vince. they are. Yeah, he's a fucking. He's just like Terry Bollea has a is a, is just a normal dude, but Hulk Hogan has a ten inch penis. <laughs> it's the same thing. Oh dear. I love his argument of the. Anyway, yeah, 
Hulk Hulk Hogan versus Mr. McMahon. It's One. better than Jericho versus Shawn Michaels. You're, a, you're an absolute monster, Kyle. I'm going to st- explain to you why. And you should, this shouldn't really come as a surprise to you. Because you like to see Baron old Corbin. racist white guys get covered in I mean, blood and beaten up. I mean, this is before I knew he was a racist. <laughs> For sure, at least. Probably it was underlining signs at the time. Well, apart from the fact that this is the worst King... Again, right, so Jack listened to the terrible version of the show. Yep. So he had to listen to terrible, terrible, terrible Hulk Hogan knockoff um, meow, meow, voodoo wow, child. What well, I don't get is why they didn't just change it and make him use the NWO one. Yeah. Like, or or Real American or whatever. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense for him doing a guitar to Real American. Absolutely it does. Have you seen the music video to Real American? No, I can't. He literally plays guitar in it. Oh. Oh, there you go then. Never mind. You got the bang, bang, I mean, there is a point at the end where he's literally... There's a point at the end where he's literally saying the lyrics, so probably it's a bit weird. Yeah. He's talking about chopping the hard with the edge of my hand. Why, when when, and why did he swap to Voodoo Child? Do you know why? Or, um, or he had Voodoo Child in WCW, I think. Uh, is it a... It's like, one of the few times where WCW decided, yeah, we'll get the actual music instead. Make right. DDP come out to knock off sounds like Teen Spirit. <laughs> dang, 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 Hey, it's not... It wasn't illegal. Dun, 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 dun. Fucking hell. Yeah, that... I remember you, you played me some of those uh, knock-off fucking WCW themes and they're bad but like I, whenever I think of Hulk Hogan I never think Voodoo Child I always think Real American as his entrance and obviously that's his entrance now so I'm guessing was that his WWF entrance beforehand and then he went to WCW got Voodoo Child and then came back came that, back that... NWO obviously NWO was in there as well yeah. left he left again for a bit. I think he comes back and then he's using Voodoo Child again. Right. Up until probably Mr. America, I would imagine. What's his, is Mr. America, does he go back to real American? Yeah, because he's Mr. Yeah, it makes sense because he's Mr. You better America. fucking do. <laughs> comes back to Voodoo Child. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not, still definitely not Hogan. <laughs> oh, God. I can't so, remember, yeah. did it ever get revealed, like, outright say, yes, they are I the same know. person? But we know which one of them has a 10-inch penis, and that's what matters. Yeah. Well, did, did you ever see um, when John Cena wore a mask? Jesus Christ, no, I didn't. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> this is a bit of history lesson, this, see if I can remember it correctly. So, back in there, during, um, I can't remember, NXT? Season one, at the end of that, sh- it was eventually won by Wade Barrett. But at the end of the sh- at the end of the series, all the rookies came back. This is before good NXT, so bear with me. All of them came up and they attacked John Cena. Yep. Uh, and there was a whole angle for the rest of the summer where like these rookies are coming and they just taking what they want. They fucking everyone up. They had a match against SummerSlam, where which was. Um, the return of Daniel Bryan after getting fired after for choking, choking a dude out. Yeah, Justin again, Roberts? We're it? jumping around a bit, but yeah. 
We're yep. jumping around a bit, but minor. And uh, that's the peak Super Cena stuff where he, I think it was a two or, two or three on one um, it, deficit in that SummerSlam match. He gets DDT to the concrete and then gets up because he's the last son of Krypton. And that was his idea, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. He, pitched, he pitched it as Jericho the told him the not to do that. Yes. Yeah, Edge and Jericho yep. told him not to do it. Did it anyway. Yep. Lol. Um, so a bit later on in the year, around Survivor Series time, I think it is, there's an angle where Wade Barrett and the Barrett Barrage um, have decided that, I can't remember how it comes about, but Cena needs to win. See, so if Cena wins, so if Cena loses, he has to join the Nexus. And Cena's joining the Nexus is worse than when Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family. Because despite having, I, I think it was being reported at the time, because this is back when I used to make YouTube videos where I talked about wrestling before podcasts, um, that the Nexus shirt was one of the worst selling t-shirts, especially for a faction that big at that time. It was being pushed the way it was. So instead of getting Cena to wear it, he just wore his never give up shirts. Like he wore his all, all his own merch apart, merch apart from the, and, and just wore a Nexus armband. Cheers, John. So the point is where I'm eventually getting to, I think, if I've not <laughs> lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So I, it gets to a point where Cena is the referee and it's decided that if Randy Orton, if he is against Barrett and Orton, if Wade Barrett does not win, Cena is fired. So Cena basically has a choice whether he's going to play it fair or he's going to screw Orton. He chooses not to screw Orton because he's Superman. And Superman would never do that. So he's fired for a couple of weeks. But he's obligated to do house shows, isn't he? Nowadays he just say he's contractually obligated to do these house shows and after that he's done. So to get around this, he contacts his Mexican brother, Juan Cena. And he basically exists for a bit. He's hit, you think there's a picture of him locking in the STFU just as awfully as, as ever. John does. Yep. On Miz. And it's truly, truly terrible. Jesus Christ. But that was my whole roundabout story just to tell the legend of Juan, Juan Cena. Cena. Wow. Again, it is... I can make the argument that this is one of my favourite matches of the show because I'm the guy that picked Braun Strowman as his number three, I think, at the time of the year. Being the best wrestler what, doesn't where matter Where on to earth me. is this going? <laughs> doesn't matter I, I, to... I like Hulk Hogan versus Vince Man because, I, because Braun Strowman. What? Braun Strowman is one of my favourite wrestlers. And he's you don't want to see Braun Strowman have a technical match. You can't do it. Is that wrong? Can Braun Strowman have great technical matches? No, probably not. Right. Because if you want to tell the story of the match, and I think this is what this is very good at, uh, I think it's also a benefit of me watching for the last Road to WrestleMania episode that I did with Earl about Brock Lesnar's Road to WrestleMania, it gets to the point where Brock is not the main focus of that build to WrestleMania. Even though he won the Rumble, he really isn't. And he's very easily 
dethroned or the main focus is put on to Hogan versus McMahon. And the angles going into that are what the drama that builds up to the match itself. Just like Shane McMahon having a match against um, Vince at 17. That's regarded as a great storyline match. Yeah, like Miz and Shane McMahon at 35. Do you want to die tonight? <laughs> it's all about George Miz. No, that's not going to happen. It's going to be a great match. It's a problem. Oh, sure. <clears throat> I thought, that, and, it, and the fact it was a street fight as well, you can kind of hide yeah. the things as well. You don't need to see him doing rest holds or whatever. It starts sure. off hotter than the, that blood feud between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, where it started <clears throat> with a wrist lock. But I... It's um, good. I'm gonna kill you. You got cancer. Yes, right. But you know what I mean. Like Emma's just come home. Why she stop? Can you tell your fiance to just let us record and stop (laughs) stop preventing it from happening? We're getting sick of this now. Don't get to record the other day because she wants to spend. It's a personal time with us, I am saying. Now you're interrupting my damn podcast. God damn it. What? I, I, need to, I need to stop with these tangents now. I'm you just do. ranting now. <sighs> Fucking. This is Pink News' fault. Yep. All Pink <laughs> News. But, you, but yeah, you get what I mean why I'm saying that I can deal with this being perfectly fine. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not expecting it to be some technical masterpiece i'm not expecting it to be like i mentioned earlier jericho and michaels two like absolute you know work rate guys especially at the time but yeah i just don't give a what? shit about hulk hogan basically why well, so what it boils this, down to you never cared about hogan i've this? never cared about him i i'm so like anti-American patriotism fucking American dream bullshit that just does I'm not a patriot of my own country let alone America I just don't give a shit about that kind of stuff it just doesn't resonate with me at all but it does with the Americans because they're all yeehaw give me the flag and all that kind of shit so as soon as Hulk starts hulking up they're all like oh look hey he's a like you said Mr. America he's the hero he's blah 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 He's fighting like a hundred-year-old man. He shouldn't need to hulk up. He should just punch him and he dies. <laughs> like, have you seen Vince? He's jacked. He is absolutely jacked. Terrifyingly so. I mean, these dudes had a combined age of 106. <laughs> and this is 16 years ago. So they now have a combined age of like 150 nearly. It's insane. And God, there's a lot of blood. Holy shit! Don't you think like, one of my favorite shots of the whole like show is Vince coming up from the bottom of the with ring the pipe, with the lead pipe. Oh, that yeah. is iconic as shit. Um, Jr. says that's the look of the devil, and the devil is smiling or something like that, and he's just like <laughs> pouring with blood. And the only place blood isn't is in his eyes, and he's just staring at Hogan. Yeah, that is a great moment. The, the leg drop through the table is pretty cool as well. Con- again, considering combined age of 106. But also, Carlos Cabrera, the Spanish announcer, gets busted open somehow. <laughs> I'm like, just... is that... <laughs> is he shoot busted open? Like, what's... what's oh, like, you think Sp- he bladed? Spanish announcer just blading in the corner. Like. <laughs> but he's like, properly... <laughs> he looks like he's bladed. He's properly going for it. 
He looks like Hogan at that point, and it's like, what? My favorite thing is when they're and, carrying him out. And Lawler mentioned it, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's like a referee. He's got to sell it like he died. <laughs> he touched me. Like, oh, is it? Um, no, oh, I'm trying to think because I'm pretty sure because who is it that did the commentary for the match? Was it Jr? It's Jr. and Lawler. Yeah, yeah. Someone buried it. No, sorry. I'm thinking. I think I'm probably thinking about a different match where Taz buried him. Like, oh, the little announcer. <laughs> Or something like that. <laughs> it's like, what are you no, doing? Yeah. Lawler and Jr. mention it because as he gets carried out, they're like, yeah. "Oh my god, they've even hurt our Spanish announce colleague or something like that." And I look. So not only, Holy so not shit, only yeah. do the table get does the table get taken out, they knock one of them out. So then, the, so then the Spanish speakers have to deal with only having one comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically fuck you. It's like you're having one now. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Like, it's no really... reason this... Because it's not even, like, in the storyline going into it, there was, like, any involvement with the Spanish announcers. It just seems out of nowhere, they just went to shock value, and it's like, all right, we'll take him out. Yeah, that's what makes me wonder. Is it a work? Like, it's got to be, right? Did, did, did Carlos Cabrera, like, yeah, I'll blade, man. I'll, I'll, I'm down for anything. I'll do, it. I'll do what you want, Mr. McMahon. Like... <laughs> I have no I idea. Think you're dick, man. It's very weird. It's very weird. And fucking Roddy Piper comes out of nowhere. It's a weird moment that doesn't really do anything or go anywhere. And yeah, sure, he, he has history with both people, back. but like, it doesn't result in the finish. So it's like, cool. Roddy Piper, Piper shows up, hits him with a pipe, and then does nothing. Spits, think spits on him and slaps I'm, his ass a couple yeah. of times and walks off. If I'm remembering correctly, this is Piper's return to the company. It is, because they're, like, they're absolutely shocked bit. when he comes back. Yeah, but I mean, then he's back for a bit before he leaves again. Cool, but he doesn't do anything. He should at least affect the result of the match, which he doesn't. Hogan still wins, so... And this is what I mentioned earlier. He wins by doing three leg drops in a row. Because, obviously. The leg drop's the most dangerous move in professional wrestling. <laughs> the atomic leg, leg drop, oh, God. I might add. He stands up next to a mountain. Chop it down with my atomic leg drop. Whatever that bogus music is <laughs> oh, the the bogus music is like so Jim Johnston it's just like a perfect amalgamation of like three or four shit Jim Johnston songs and they just put that kind of wire guitar sound over the top of still it still like, better than the majority of CFO's catalogue probably oh, yeah. shots fired yeah agreed I just shot from the hip yeah I think it's I think it's a great match it's one of my favourite memories of Wrestlemania 19 I have, I think now the next match is for what for a while quite a while actually was considered my favourite match of all time Stone Cold Steve Austin in his last match actual last match none of this I'm sorry, I love you, see you in TNA in a couple of years. Bullshit. Hey, he never wrestled again in the WWE. Sure. So in the WWE world, he retired. Sure. 
Who watched watch TNA? Come on. <laughs> That's a very good point. But yeah, for a while, for a long time, this was, I think this was my favourite match. And this is having never watched the Attitude Era, especially at the time. And even now, it's like my Attitude Era knowledge is pretty spotty. Um, so I'd never seen 17. I'd never seen... Is it 16? No. Might have been... 15. I don't know. 16 2000. And that's the McMahon in every corner. Austin's out with a neck injury. At oh, that point. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it was Triple H, Rock, Foley, Big Show. So he. Let's have a look. He beats Big Show, beats NWO, blah, blah, blah. Beats Eric Bischoff because, of course, he does. It's Ric Flair, no punches allowed. Welcome to the Attitude Area. Weird stipulations. Undertaker beats him on a house show. He teamed with The Rock a few times. Um, you beat Kurt Angle. You beat Booker T. Uh, yeah. I can't even see him. Can't even find it. What? What can't you find? When the other ones happened. When the other Austin Rock show rest. This is Rock. The other. Back again. Hola. It's definitely 17... 19... And the other one was well before that. 98? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just had a quick look. For some reason, it amused me way too much because of, obviously, on Cage Match. Mm. Um, is one, one of his last matches was... Uh, where is it again? Uh, at, yeah. At the Judgment Day 2002. Obviously, defeating Ric Flair in the big show. Seems like a random ass fucking tag team, by the way. And <laughs> Judgment Day 2002 at because the Gaylord Entertainment Center in Nashville, Tennessee. I am too old to find that funny. <laughs> I don't think you are. Like American, like arena names are so dumb. They are. This is Smoothie King Arena. Is one. So back to the match. Yeah. At the time of the match happening, people didn't realise it was Austin's last match. Which is weird, that... because they have a, like a, a send-off for him that's not like a over-the-top send-off, but he definitely gets a, like... Knowing well, it's mean, his like... last, they definitely like play the intro music as he goes out and that kind of stuff, and... But, yeah. Yeah, but I think at that, at that stage... I can't remember the history, because it's a while. Um... But I think at the time, the public didn't know that it was last match. Oh, right. I see what you mean. Right, right, Vince sorry. probably knew that it would be his last match. And JR knew that it would be his last match. Because that is also 
the night before he was in bad shape. And this is a recurring theme because it happens again also in the main event itself. Because Kurt's not in a good place at that time either. But these two tonight in this match again great promo package. It's not WrestleMania 17, a match that I've never actually watched, but just watching the package for gives me goosebumps. But you're looking at two icons of the Attitude Era. Who is it that you thought is the biggest star? I personally think that Austin, even though he was gone for a decent portion of the Attitude Era, even though The Rock's there, the the Attitude Era isn't a big success uh, if Austin doesn't start it. I agree. I agree. I think Austin is the the quintessential Attitude Era character. And he defines that that era of wrestling for sure. In in the way that nobody else really did, and he kind of, like I said, I've never really gotten the Hulk Hogan thing. So whenever I think of the biggest stars, Steve Austin's at the top of that list, pretty much. No one seemed, no one, like when that glass breaks. Fans just got absolutely yeah, it, mental. He, no matter what, people will pop for him. Yeah. Um, I think this scene when uh, The Rock left and came back, if it had uh, the Cena feud, people were popping for him. But there were times, but since 2003, no, not just since 2003, but I mean, like in general, because The Rock did bullshit like when he set his name on fire at WrestleMania that time. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. Granted, the under- it takes like Rock, 10 uh, minutes. Yeah. Granted, Austin stood in the New Day a couple of years ago and stuff. And But when that glass, like you said, when that glass breaks, people get up at any time, any generation, they know that Austin's here. Raise hell, leave. Yep. That That is probably the most over bit of music and it's just a piece of glass breaking. <laughs> the greatest thing Jim Johnson did was like, wait, shit, right, we're using that now. Slap Only the beginning. Oh, God. I like that. I like the disturbed song, Allow Me Cuz. No. Get ready for a super strong style 16 because that's all we're going to be listening to over and over again until you love it. <laughs> Nothing but disturbed. Yep. Okay. But what do you think of the of these two coming together? This being Austin's last match and guess the match in general. It's it's great. It's brilliant. It's a real kind of like I said, like a kind of snapshot of that era, and then there's the closing kind of moments of the twilight and kind of sunset of Austin's career. And it certainly feels that way about the rock as well. And like, you can tell he's kind of winding things down and all that kind of stuff. And there's some great calls from JR because obviously they made the whole Jim Ross, Steve Austin thing very public and kind of that they're mates in real life, basically. (laughs) And you always have the heel Lawler going for the bad guy and, 
JR talking about how the Texas Rattlesnake's going to fight back no matter what and all that kind of stuff and just his passion and his like just just screaming come on Austin come on Austin and stuff like that is just absolutely amazing you really get kind of a similar similar to the Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair match but not quite as painful to watch with a 100 year old Ric Flair (laughs) these guys can still clearly wrestle very well and I would argue this is maybe their best match really I I don't love this 17 one anywhere near as much as most people do I hate I hate the finish I hate the finish is crap what the chair shots or the fact that Austin and the McMahon are together the chair shots because they look really crap. Just a bunch of like random chair shots, and then he pins him. It's like you guys have a hardcore title at this point. Like, chair shots happen every ten minutes. Who cares? Yeah, but it's not like he only. I think for that, it's the chin number of chair shots that happen. Yeah, it's not like he only does a f- like two or three. Then it's like whatever. He's just like jabbing. He's, he's just jabbing he, him in the ribs a little bit. It's like he's lost it and he's just going for health eleven. He's just beating the shit out of him with a chair, and you don't really get that even that sort of brutality. A different kind of brutality in a hardcore, ma- a regular hardcore match. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, Kyle's right. Um, yeah. I, I was making some notes when I was rewatching this. Like, is there a feud where the two of them do each other's finishes on each other more often than these two. Just Austin hitting rock bottoms and the rock hitting stunners and them like going back and forth and back and forth. Um No? Because it happens all the damn time. <laughs> it feels like. Yeah, because I was trying to think of a few people, and I was, for some reason my brain went straight to Edge and Cena. And like, that never happened, really, hitting mute finishes. I think we, it's, it's a lot different back then as well, because like, the reversal mania, finisher mania, only happened really at mania. Yeah, yeah. Like, it happened, but it wasn't as ridiculous as it is today. Is oh yeah, you've got to hit your finisher three times before it sticks. Which is exactly what happens here. But it feels like a kind of nail in the coffin kind of thing for for this match when he hits the three rock bottoms at the end. It feels appropriate to keep it, it, Austin it almost down. For, yeah, I think it almost forgives The Rock's terrible sharpshooter. <laughs> oh god, it's sharpshooter. I'll cross your ankles over... They just this hold match, him there. It wasn't as terrible. It's been, he's locked, he's quote unquote locked it in a lot worse than he <laughs> did in this match. True. So true. Yeah, this is a. I think this is overall it's a great send off for the great two of arguably the greatest of all time. Yep. One went off. I think he got no way. He doesn't go back off to Hollywood yet. He goes back up to Hollywood after backlash against Goldberg. I think he does indeed. Yep. But yeah, Austin won. The, one of wrestling's Mount Rushmore. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Next Absolutely. to Hogan, Cena, and fuck it, let's just put like Vince McMahon on. Because <laughs> of course, 
Yeah, well, screw it. Screw the rock. Yeah. And Dixie Carter. For the hero. <laughs> for the lols. So. On to the final match. The WWE Championship. Yeah, uh, for the final... Yeah. Go WWE on. Championship. Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar. And simply because I've... I'm going to let you do the most of the talking about this. Because if you people really want to know what I think about the match, there's an old episode which I'll link to that you can hear me talk about it in a lot more detail. But, Jack, what is your... How do you go into this match? Considering especially seeing as you're a massive Brock Lesnar fan nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Long, long time Brock Lesnar fan, that's me. <sighs> yeah, it's weird having Angle as a heel, him as a face. I kind of forgot that... Well, I guess he's, he's not particularly face, but like he's going against a heel, so by default he's a face kind of thing. It's weird having Lesnar as an underdog, and yeah, it's it's, it's a absolutely brilliant match, and I think this is peak WWE angle. I think most people probably agree with that. This is one of Angle's best performances he's ever put on in the WWE, and he's like super intense, and as soon as he gets that hoodie on, it's just like Makes me think of TNA angle. I know we don't talk about TNA here, but like intense wrestling machine angle is the best angle in my opinion. And yeah, so it was weird again seeing Kurt Angle hit a bunch of German suplexes on Lesnar. So him like doing what is now called Suplex City to Lesnar sixteen years ago. And you really kind of see how the two of them mirror each other in a lot of ways, despite the size differences and stuff like that. And even Taz makes a... Like they list their credentials. Michael Cole lists their credentials at the beginning. It's like, two-time All-American champion and blah, blah, blah. Olympic gold medalist. And going for their kind of like actual amateur wrestling credentials. And then Taz even makes a reference to the UFC, <laughs> which will obviously be a thing for Brock Lesnar in about five years' time after this match happens. And, yeah, they just... Put on a put on an absolute great show. Apart from, of course, the incredibly famous missed shooting star press. It's a pretty pretty immaculate, pretty perfect match, I think. And if if Brock had landed that properly, and that had been the finish, I think this match would go down in like history, go down in legend. I think it does for a lot of people anyway. I think it's a lot of people's favourite match ever, favourite Wrestlemania match all that kind of stuff the worst part is is that he's hit that before and he thought he could hit it he did it in OVW didn't he I like, think? yeah, so the fact he knows he could hit that move is why he goes for it Yeah. if he doesn't think he could hit it that, if he doesn't, if he's never hit one before then I don't think he ever goes alright this is the moment that I'm going to no. at Wrestlemania I'm going to decide to do a shooting star yeah, of course we mentioned before about Austin being in a terrible state. Apparently, Kurt was in a fucking terrible state as well. They mentioned it, I think, in the um, on DVD on the bonus features, or it might be in the lead up to the match at Vengeance, or was it SummerSlam? Vengeance, I think, or SummerSlam. I can't remember. Um, but apparently, they even going into it, they didn't know Kurt was going to be fine to wrestle this match. Wow. If you watch, go back, Kurt doesn't wrestle a lot in the build-up to WrestleMania. Mm. 
Apparently, right, right. apparently there was because they do the whole angle with um, he swaps her, he swaps with his brother. Yep. Brock wins the title. I think he defends, the, tries to defend the title like a, the, either the week of or the week before WrestleMania. There's a title defense, like there's an original title challenge where the, the plan was apparently that if Kurt can't go, we vacate they basically vacate the title. It still happens at Mania, but instead of Brock versus Kurt, it's Brock versus Benoit. Wow. And I'm sure it would have been a great match, but that's the point of where they were like, Kurt might not be able to actually do this match. We need a backup, and apparently it was going to be Benoit if he couldn't, if he couldn't go. Yeah, that's a weird. That's a weird world to live in. I can't even imagine that happening. Yeah, so I know, like two weeks before the show, and not knowing when he champ- who the champion is going to be defending his belt against in the main He'd event. Never do something like that. Not just like on a, on any old show, but the final match of the biggest show. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty weird. Pretty scary. So I know you you rate this match pretty highly as well. Yeah. Just quickly, are there any particular kind of highlights, any particular standouts for you? Like you said, you've already kind of gone through the match in detail, but... It's going to go back to kind of like talking about that moonsault. <laughs> I always remember the moonsault, and because I'd never watch it. <laughs> I don't watch the aftermath because it's... Because I know it's going to happen, so like, I don't need to see him intentionally hurt himself. Even, for as much as I watch Botchamania... And even Matthew doesn't put if some if Brock had broke his neck and doing that like pro, legit broke his neck, but Matthew won't put it in. Um, but it's, fu- it's funny looking back when you like the look of terror in Kurt's face because he knows that if Brock can't hit that F five, he's gonna have to stick around. Yeah, and he's not in any shape to stick around. Um, it's, but. As far as the highlights, I think it's just, it's a Kurt Angle match. So you know you're going to get a lot of great stuff. You don't have to really worry about individual spots. But there's a lot of great character work from Kurt. Because I think at this stage, Kurt is a little more, in, is in storylines a little more crazy. Not 2005 Booker T feud levels of crazy. But there's also a little bit of paranoia in the character that Brock is going to beat, could beat me. I think that works well for the story of the match. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, like I said, like I said earlier, the, the issue with this match when you watch it back to, through the feud is that this is even though it's the main event, it's the match that ends up closing the card. It's not the best built match, best built feud. What you see in the promo package is the is is obviously the highlights, but. They don't tell the true story of what was going on back then. Yeah, the hi- the highlights because, look pretty good, like the, the because, gauntlet match leading up to it and all that, and the switching, like yep. you're saying and stuff. There's some clever Brock, spots. Th- in Brock there. isn't on that show. Brock is gone from that. Is barely on that for about a month. After he wins that Royal Rumble, he's not on the show for a bit, which is weird. We talk. I get my my own Dave Meltzer Earl to give me the rundown <laughs> and this sort of stuff going into it but it's like it's just a weird time to be a wrestling fan for him mm, I can imagine 
Yeah. It? I think that's pretty much it, though. It is Jack, indeed. The, the the question that people really want to know, is this still your favourite WrestleMania? I don't oh. think so. I don't know. I need to go and watch other ones. Yeah. You think that it's potentially waned? Yes, very bit. much so. Yeah. I've forgotten how, is... like I said, how good the last few matches are, but how bad the the first few are <laughs> or how non not actually bad I don't think just, it's bad they're not it's bad they're just bad. there's just nothing. no heat yeah yeah it's cold but yeah we we should do get more of these cold, and, and for... have an excuse to watch more of them yeah eventually <laughs> sometime cause yeah because god getting... shows are too long yeah <laughs> he says well, getting ready for this year's one oh god I'm dreading it <sighs> The Gabba Gabba Lehmann hint, guys. It's I can't. It's gonna be very hard for me to watch all of WrestleMania as it is, and to talk about all of WrestleMania. And I've got to edit all of WrestleMania. That's how that's how weak of my life down yeah, the toilet. Pretty much. So you better be fucking grateful. I better get a million views, <laughs> a million downloads oh, for it. Bear with me. So one sec. So before we before we officially wrap up, I just want to just give you a little hint now. That the next episode, hopefully, hopefully it'll be for WrestleMania, but Christ, it'll be a little like I mentioned before about the Brothers. The one we'll be talking about Batista's rule to WrestleMania from two thousand five. So we'll be doing that, but until then, how can the people find you? Oof! Oh, I farted then. <laughs> Straight up fart mid sentence. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Podcasting professionalism has gone out the window. Oh, fuck my dick. <laughs> um, we'll mix it up a bit. This time, Jack, how can the people find you first on the socials? I am JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Follow me for podcasting, video games, comics, wrestling, Rathlin. All the other good stuff. How about you, Kyle? How can they follow you on other Twitter? You can follow your boy on the on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Snapchat, the Tumblr, Tumblr, the MySpace, the Kyle Bebo, M- <laughs> just Kyle MC on everything. Um, follow my cat. It's Tilly Mac. It's Tilly, T-I-L-L-Y-M-C. I think that's the handle. It Probably is. Yep. is. Um, you've not got an excuse to not go, oh, I can't find it now. It's in my Instagram bio. Follow it. Don't be a hater. Everyone loves my cat. She's a little shit. <laughs> so, it goes again. Till next time. Thanks for listening, guys. We've been talking about Mania 19, the greatest Mania of all time. This is the greatest ma- the match that should have closed the show. Hold on for a minute, man. Bye. Ha ha ha!